Welcome to a public lecture podcast from the University of Bath. When I think of, of wars uh, and the suffering they cause, on, on, I mean, they inflict on, on ordinary people, uh, I can't help sympathizing with some of the classical pragmatists who said that don't look at, don't, don't seek truth, seek knowledge that can be useful. Uh, and we should simply try to consider what is real rather than trying to find absolute truths. Uh, now, I think this is where conflict research should aim at. Uh, this is the, the signing of the so-called Pasirapanjang uh, Declaration, uh, which, uh, which started the peace process in, uh, in West Kalimantan. This was a process that, uh, that uh, started with the university class, which originally was uh, focused for those ethnic leaders who had been fighting uh, in this cannibalistic uh, uh, war uh, each other. And eventually, after six years of, of teaching and, uh, and conflict resolution training, they, we ended up managing a class for the whole group uh, simultaneously. Now, when I say we, uh, there is uh, Professor Sarif Alkatri, who, who, who was uh, my, my co-initiator of this, this process. Uh, uh, I think, to some extent, conflict research and conflict knowledge somehow has to help this kind of uh, processes towards um, decline of, of, of violence. Uh, I tell all about, uh, about this uh, process in, in, in this uh, book, uh, Can Peace Research Make Peace? Uh, now, even though I said that I'm sympathetic towards the classical pragmatist philosophy, uh, I want to give it a, a constructivist twist. I don't think knowledge is just instrumental. I think knowledge does create realities. And in that sense, uh, we shouldn't just ask what we can do with knowledge, but we should ask what knowledge, what kind of realities knowledge creates, what kind of uh, um, knowledge uh, constitutes uh, peaceful realities rather than, than, uh, than conflict-prone realities. Uh, now, if you look at this picture, I think you can agree with me that our knowledge about masculinity has something to do with the explanation why this man is carrying an assault rifle. Uh, and why his girlfriend is tremendously uh, happy about that uh, too. Uh, we, cannot, we cannot just think that knowledge is instrumental, knowledge does create realities. For this man, I think, uh, and this is just an example, this man uh, might be a, an exception, but to some extent, I believe that a certain conception of masculinity gives him an opportunity to enact his masculinity in violence. Uh, so that's why the constructivist twist to, to my, uh, uh, my, uh, my pragmatism. The picture is also from, from 
West Kalimantan, actually. I, I, I tell, I, I, I describe my, my constructivist pragmatism in my forthcoming book, uh, Paradigms of Peace. I know I sa start sounding like a bookseller, but uh, this is the last uh, book cover I'll, I'll show you. When I think of the, the biggest challenges to world peace and biggest cha conflict challenges that we have, I think I have to go to the fundaments of my discipline, international relations. Now, international relations is often defined as study of exercise of power in the context of anarchy, uh, in, a con in, in a context that is not orderly context that like, like the exercise of power within states. Uh, now, I think this is quite important, that to some extent what we are studying in, in, in international relations is slightly, and I think it's also very important to realize that the context of order and the context of kind of the security community, where people have a common security identity, they feel, they feel that their security is is, is, is one, uh, and they no longer can think that, uh, that one of the in-group members could attack uh, them. I mean, this country is obviously a security community. We don't uh, fear a, an attack from Bristol, for example, uh, here in, in Bath. Uh, now, uh, quite many realist scholars have claimed that this is essential for the study of international relations and they, they have felt that that this context of anarchy is the root cause of conflict in international relations. Now, I don't know if I could agree with that, uh, but at least I think it is quite clear that if human interaction takes place within an order where there, is, there are institutions that uh, enforce that order, it's more likely that it's going to be civilized and, and, and less violent. That sounds rather uh, uh, clear. Uh, now, if we go beyond my discipline, international relations, and look at the long history of violence, uh, we can realize that violence has been produced in much smaller groups than nation states. Originally, in, 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 in tribal societies, uh, uh, it, it was much smaller groups that felt that they were, uh, they, they had a common identity and they have some common security related uh, purposes. Uh, uh, now, quite many scholars who have studied the origins of, of uh, governance have paid attention to the fact that, that this is how world history has, has, has proceeded. It, it has proceeded through expansion of security communities. Uh, this is relevant uh, because of the fact that, uh, as, we, as, as we said, violence is more likely in a, in a, in a context of anarchy than in a context of, of order. And if there is an expansion of security communities, the likelihood of, of human interaction being within an order is, is greater obviously. Uh, and, and there is empirical evidence of this. Uh, let's, 
let's just uh, uh, start, for example, from Steven Pinker, who said that uh, before, I mean, when, when sedentary societies were kind of established, uh, uh, something like 80% of, of, of violent deaths disappear. Uh, uh, he also said that, uh, that when nation states were born, I mean, once they were kind of there, uh, the number of fatalities of violence uh, went, I mean, came down by 90 to 98 percent. Uh, now, this might seem unlikely, or this might seem very, very um, kind of optimistic about uh, the future. But, but the truth is that, uh, that archaeologists who study the skeletons that they found, find uh, do agree uh, with the fact that, with, the with this estimate that, uh, that uh, for example, pre-state societies were tremendously more uh, violent. Uh, Azar Gat, for example, says that, uh, that in pre-nation state societies, uh, an average of 25% of men die a violent death. Uh, now, th this is 25% of all men. Uh, if we think of our current, uh, I mean, our modern societies, uh, during the Second World War, the most affected countries uh, had uh, battle deaths uh, at, the rate, at, at the level of something, something between 5 and, and 10%. Uh, and this was at the most violent era of our times, in the most violent places. Uh, and pre-state societies seem to be way more violent uh, in their normal uh, situation. Uh, Pinker, Steven Pinker, when he analyzes uh, the expansion of, of security communities, uh, he says that it's, this, this doesn't just happen geographically. It's not just that city-states become nation-states, etc. Uh, but instead he says that there is also qualitative uh, uh, expansion of security communities. Uh, when, for example, during the 17th and 18th century, European states started moving from despotic rule to, to a slightly more democratic rule, uh, the number of people we thought, when we thought of security, obviously expanded. It was no longer security of the, the political elite, but it was broader elite. Uh, also, after the Second World War, there has been much more interest in, in, uh, in securing also different minorities. That process also expanded security communities kind of qualitatively. Uh, and also, there is a clear uh, reduction of, of violence because of that. I think that's important to keep in mind. Uh, it's important for my argument, at least, uh, so do keep it in mind. Uh, now, if we then think of this long, long uh, history of violence, we almost kind of as assume that our current stage, where nation states are the kind of natural units of security governance uh, are just one phase of this development. Uh, already in 1930s, uh, Norbert Elias uh, dreamt of a more global 
security community. By the way, this security community concept is much uh, was was coined much later. So these these uh, scholars that I'm I'm using in my argument uh, did not uh, uh, use it. Also, Elias wrote this already in the 1930s. This is just a, a, a reprint of of his book. I, I refer to Elias to <coughs> 1982. So then the question is. Can we imagine a global, a kind of a cosmopolitan security community? Uh, to some extent, it seems likely that security communities can expand beyond nation state. I mean, think about the European Union. I mean, can we really say that it is possible, for example, for Finland and Sweden to, to fight a war? I think it's almost as ridiculous as, 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 as a war between uh, Bristol and, uh, and Bath. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back to this, this, this war. I live between Bristol and Bath, so I really hope that I'm, I'm right about that. Uh, um, what has happened recently uh, in critical security studies is that there's been more kind of challenging of the state. Uh, people in the University of Aberystwyth, with, uh, people like Ken Booth, uh, in the, already in the, 19, in the beginning of 1990s, uh, they started uh, kind of denaturalizing the state as a, as a, as a kind of referent object of security and, and saying that in the end, of course, we are mostly interested in the, 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 the safety of citizens rather than, uh, rather than uh, states. Uh, well, I don't, I, I'm not saying that uh, the University of Aberystwyth uh, kind of articulated a, a, a completely new reality. I mean, of, of course, that uh, thinking was already there. They just crystallized it. But I think that, that did help us kind of constitute the reality of, of, of kind of human-oriented uh, human, uh, security. Uh, Well, I mean, in politics, UNDP coined the concept human security only a few years uh, after, after the, 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 the interventions of, of critical security studies. Uh, now, new war theorists, I mean, theorists who coined the word new war, uh, they went a bit further, since they also felt that uh, states should not be seen as natural uh, we should be interested in the safety of, of human beings. Uh, they also said then, then we should have responsibility to protect also people outside our state borders. Uh, and this created, a, I think, this, this kind of thinking, not necessarily Mary Caldor and, uh, and, and Patrick Mayo and, uh, and Mark Duffield, but, but this thinking in general created a reality uh, of global citizens. Uh, I mean, we do have more interest in, uh, in, in, in the well-being uh, of, 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 of citizens uh, and, and civilians uh, in faraway places. Uh, Mary Calder and others uh, also felt that uh, wars after the Cold War were became, becoming more senseless. It was difficult to understand. It was sadistic violence uh, 
gainful activity. It was not ideological. Uh, it was difficult to make sense of it. Uh, they felt that uh, the international community should be able to enforce a global humanitarian norm and go to places where, where people are killing, uh, killing civilians. Uh, go to Rwanda, go to Bosnia. Uh, uh, this was understandable because of the fact that, uh, that, uh, that we couldn't make sense of these wars of the 1990s simply because of the fact that the narrative we had for making sense of violence was gone. I mean, it was very easy to understand why there was a genocide or there was a, a democide in Indonesia in, in, in after October, after September uh, 30, uh, 1965, uh, where actually more people died than in, Bos in, in, in the, the genocide of Rwanda because they were fighting communism. Uh, there was, a, there was a, an explanation of the world. It's the world where communism and, and freedom fought uh, against uh, each other, or imperialism and peace-loving uh, uh, socialist uh, people were, were fighting. Uh, uh, anyway, there was a narrative that, that made sense of, of violence. Uh, this was gone in 1990s, and, and one of the main complaints of the theorists of, of new wars was that international community was not responsible when it wasn't uh, 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 when it wasn't acting uh, in these these uh, situations? Now, I think this is new, even though most people don't recognize this as something new. This idea that we have to go, we have to that we feel solidarity beyond nation-state, uh, borders of nation-state. I think this is relatively new. I'll give you an example that uh, might be a bit provocative. Think about it how, think about how, how, uh, I mean, obviously, this is clear also already in the fact that we have responsibility to protect uh, that has been uh, kind of receiving a lot of uh, uh, support and we have even the idea of, of humanitarian intervention. Uh, but the fact that this is quite new can be understood if we think of how security was organized, uh, let's say in the 50s. Uh, the main backbone of security was the mutual assured destruction. The idea that we have to have nuclear weapons that can deter first strike. Now what it meant actually was that even if there was a Soviet first strike, that managed to cripple our nuclear arsenal, we still had some nuclear weapons that we could use in retaliation. Now that basically always meant retaliation against civilian targets, simply because of the fact that hardened uh, uh, military targets were no longer possible to attack against uh, with, with, a, with a military that was crippled by, by the, the first strike. Now, Two things, two things uh, 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 kind of we have to remind, remember when we think with our current concepts are this first, this is a strategy that blackmails with the lives of civilians. And we do have a word for that. 
nowadays. Uh, the other thing is that if we now think of Assad's and Saddam Hussein's, our main claim is that they don't care about their own civilians. Would it be possible, for example, to say, to say to Assad, if you use chemical weapons against your own civilians, we, we make a, a second strike and, and, and strike against your civilians? That doesn't make any sense. So clearly, our thinking has, has become different, and, and that is reflected uh, even in, 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 in political debate. Uh, there, are, there are kind of puzzling statements, uh, and, and of course you already know whose statements I'm, I'm, I'm referring to. I'm of course referring to the, to, to the controversy within the Labour Party uh, about the Trident uh, uh, system. Uh, but clearly we have established realities that change our, our security setting. Uh, now, articulating interpretations is not everything. That's not what scholarship is, is, is all about. Uh, because what our interpretations, what kind of consequences they have, uh, also depends on, on other things. I mean, we, we do have certain interaction between social realities and material realities, and also human agency. We do have these elements that, uh, that interact. If we don't do very careful research, we don't know what our, our agency, what, what kind of consequences we can bring about uh, with our agency, what kind of consequences do these new articulations of interpretations uh, uh, result in. I think, I think uh, the new war theory has sometimes treated, it, it has made quantitative claims which they have interpreted almost as articulations of new interpretations. I think this is wrong. Uh, I mean, in order to understand what kind of consequences different interpretations uh, entail, and what kind of consequences different uh, peace actions uh, or, or conflict actions uh, entail, we have to, we have to study that. Uh, that's, not, that's not just interpretation. Uh, now, the, the main problem with the new war theory, I think, was that they exaggerated the destruction in this type of war. This is a picture of, the fifth, uh, of, of part of the fifth uh, division of the current National Liberation Army. Uh, uh, it was, uh, we visited uh, them just uh, a week after they, they, they signed a, a ceasefire and, uh, and they, were, they were given new temporary uh, places. This is an, uh, this is an organization and, and, and many of the Myanmar rebel organizations use globalized economy. I mean, you, you have heard uh, about, uh, about the, the, the accusations of their drug trade, for example. Of course, also the other side is clearly involved in, in, in criminal economy. I mean, the, the Myanmar uh, army. Uh, is this warfare, is this violence, how extensive is it? Uh, it's not a matter of, of, of pure interpretation. Uh, we cannot just say like I think some new war theorists are saying, this produces more civilian fatalities, this produces more, more, more. than this violence. Uh, this is a, a 
a predator drone, isn't it? Uh, uh, so so uh, uh, very often we consider action to control the first type of violence as non-violence, but it does uh, uh, sometimes escalate uh, conflicts. Uh, uh, let, let, let's look at the, the, the claims that I think are, are problematic. The first claim is that, uh, that, uh, that conflicts have increased after, this, after the, the Cold War. I mean, here, uh, Mark Duffield's uh, uh, citation uh, clearly shows that uh, conflict statistics seem to contradict that view. There seems to be less conflicts, and there seems to be clearly less fatalities of conflict. Uh, uh, even if we look at genocides, uh, even if we look at democides, uh, I mean, if we compare the horrible genocide of, of, of Rwanda, for example, with, with the forced labor arrangements that Stalin had, uh, we are talking about tens of times more fatalities in, in Russia, in Soviet Union, than, than, than in, in, in uh, Rwanda. If we think of, 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 uh, of what happened, uh, the purchase and, and, and violence during the, during the the, the um, cultural revolution or, or the great leap forward, we see quite many more uh, uh, fatalities. Uh, uh, genocide is not something new. Uh, and, 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 and the number of, actually, if you look at statistics uh, of genocide, uh, there seems to be a clear declining tendency. Uh, so we cannot simply say that there is an increase in security. Another thing is historical. Uh, we cannot really say that what we are witnessing is degeneration of state building uh, of, of states, because new wars tend to happen in, 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 in developing countries where state formation has just started. I mean, our state formation took many hundreds years, hundreds of years. Uh, colonialism and slavery delayed uh, state building uh, in the developing world. Uh, now, that, that claim is also uh, a bit iffy. Uh, and finally, then, external intervention uh, uh, may help, but, uh, but, 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 but it has had its, its problems as well. Uh, so what I, I suggest is that we do need to... to uh, we do need to take a more rigorous approach to, to, the, to, to the study of the interaction between agency and social and material structures. We, we need to, 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 to look at, uh, we, we need to take seriously what even traditionalists uh, felt uh, was the main focus of, of our research. I think in order to know whether this is bad or whether that is, is worse, uh, we have to really operationalize what we really mean by new wars. I, I use this operationalization, which I have derived from from Mary Calder and Mark Duffield, and uh, and, and, and the main main. Uh, this is this this is my operationalization. I just use their characterizations of of new wars, uh, and this would be a, a way to. I, I'm, I'm using uh, Uppsala country data program data. Uh, and this seems to be a way of actually seeing how 
warfare is developing, really. Uh, and not just give a picture of how it is. Uh, this is, this is uh, uh, a unit of, of uh, a, a, a company of the the Gerka Nacheh Merdeka uh, Free Aceh Movement uh, uh, in Northern Aceh. Uh, instead of just describing, we have to show how it is de developing. One indicator is how many dead people it produces, how many conflict fatalities. This is new wars. This is the type of war that they said dominates and is, is getting worse. It doesn't seem to get any worse. Yet, if we look at this time when international community started uh, getting involved in new wars, this, this, these are wars that international community didn't get involved. But, but this is the time when that became more probable. To some extent, that managed to externalize some resistance. A dictator could always say, these people might be supported by outsiders. That means I have a, we have a nationalist cause in preventing that and, and, and suppressing these people. At the same time, people, I mean, rebel groups that felt that we might have a chance of getting external support, they were encouraged. So I, I, I'm not claiming that there is a clear tendency toward, to, uh, upwards uh, here, but at, at least it seems that the decline of, of fatalities of new wars ended uh, with, with this uh, protection of civilians. Now, this sounds very provocative, but, uh, but numbers seem to be provo provoking us now. Uh, now, I think that then there is, an in, there is a... We must see a new category of, of uh, violence uh, uh, and war uh, developing. And this is the category of new wars that we have interfered in militarily. Uh, the reason why we have to do this is that they are no longer new wars. They are no longer apolitical. They become political instantly. I mean, think about uh, Syria, for example. When Russia and America and now also the United Kingdom uh, participates, uh, participated in, is it not only political? I think it's highly political because of the fact that, uh, that, that different parties can, I mean, different parties can say, we are, we are defending the nation, we are, we are defending uh, humanitarian values. Uh, it's very ideological, very political. Uh, it's not the same type of warfare where you just gainfully try to, try to get... Uh, try to loot uh, uh, villages. Uh, it's, it's an entirely different. Uh, 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 and I have uh, operationalized that too. Uh, part of this is, is a process that is ongoing. So, so, so I, I might, uh, might uh, fine tune some of, some of my uh, definitions and, and, and also some of uh, these, uh, these uh, graphs. I must also say that at this stage I'm still only looking at conflicts, not genocide. Uh, uh, genocide we discussed uh, previously, but uh, not all, only conflict. Now here we can see that 
that, well, we cannot say that um, protection of civilians has become the most deadly thing for civilians. Uh, that would be too far. Uh, what we can say is that, uh, that when there is military involvement in support of civilians, uh, there often is a counter-reaction. Now, if I think of, it, think of this, for example, as a fin, uh, uh, if I think of, for example, I mean, we do have a Russian population in Finland. Uh, uh, the worst Russia can do and, 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 and does politically is to, to, to help that, uh, I mean, protect that population. Because that's the easiest way for us to say, no, 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 we don't want Putin here. We, we, we don't want uh, external involvement. And the, and, the, and the easy way to, to get rid of that is to try to get rid of the Russian population. I mean, this is quite clear how you can externalize people who are being protected uh, uh, in the case of Russia. But it, it, it seems to work also in, 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 uh, in the Middle East uh, where, where where we Westerners have, uh, have, have done, done protection. And, and, and it tends to escalate the conflict. It's, th these are not fatalities of, of, of uh, US or, or UK bombings, but these are fa fatalities of escalated conflicts. Uh, and that's, I think, uh, I think that's, uh, that, that's, that's really puzzling. Because on the one hand, it's puzzling to, to realize that protection seems to be related to an escalation that, uh, that, uh, that really kills a lot of civilians. Uh, but, but even more so, it is puzzling to realize that the, whereas in the long history of violence, every, times, every time we have expanded uh, uh, security communities, violence has, 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 uh, has gone down. This time it seems to be the other way around. How can it be? Uh, I mean, some realists would say, no, 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 of course, uh, states are natural and, uh, and you cannot go beyond states. Uh, and, and whenever we say that we are, go we, we are uh, in a war in order to protect civilians, uh, we are just lying. Uh, but that can't be the case, because I mean, why would we lie that? Why would it be politically important for leaders to say we are there to protect uh, their civilians? Uh, why, why would they bother to say? Why would they, why would they waste money on, on, on faraway places uh, unless there was something real? So I went to, to, to some data, and I'm currently doing this. I'm just uh, sampling it uh, in order to produce these tentative conclusions. Uh, I tried to see what's wrong, what went wrong. I mean, clearly we are talking about enlargement of security communities from nation states to, to, to a global level. But what went wrong? Why, why do we have these statistics? Uh, and so what I did, I, 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 I realized that very often textual analysis is done by interpreting a song uh, and then saying this is a, a, a dominant uh, discourse. Uh, I don't like that. I think if we are making quantitative claims like that something is dominant, that means that it has certain power and it's certain, certain frequency. So that's why I went through, or I'm in the process of going through a lot of uh, presidential speeches. 
Uh, and I simply, well, I, I fortunately I, I use computer-assisted uh, textual analysis, uh, NVivo program. Uh, and I, I, I look at every time an American president uses the word protect, pro protection in any of its form, protect, protected, uh, etc. Et and one thing I realize, it hasn't increased. They don't protect more than they, they did before. Uh, it seems that security policy is always about protection of something. Uh, it's only that uh, the referent object is changing. It is changing towards a more global uh, direction. Uh, presidents seem, I mean, presidents feel the need to use the argument of protecting civilians in faraway places. Uh, this, this, this wasn't the case uh, before. Uh, this, it, it seems that this has increased, especially when we have had these senseless conflicts, Bosnia and, and Rwanda, for example. Uh, uh, to some extent, I think, while new, th new war theorists uh, felt that it was, it was horrible that we have these senseless uh, wars, I think it was good, not the wars, but the senselessness. I think it's good if we feel that violence is senseless, because during the Cold War we didn't. And then we, we, we managed to create kind of legitimate meanings for violence against communists, violence against imperialists. And that's why there was more violence. Uh, when I look at, the, at, at these uh, wars, there is a clear peak in those, those uh, times when we have uh, these unexplainable wars. Uh, then I looked at uh, how in those speeches where the word protection was used with the reference to global civilians, and where uh, then I looked at how it was framed, uh, whether it was whether the conflict that, uh, that that needed to be kind of uh, addressed was something like a, like a natural disaster, uh, or whether whether it was something that could be interfered. Uh, in the beginning of 1990s, it was quite clear that that, for example. Uh, uh, Bosnia and, uh, and, and, uh, and Rwanda were just like natural disasters. You cannot interfere in, uh, in a hurricane. Uh, whereas then, at the very end of 1990s, speeches started revealing an, a diagnosis where you could do something about it. Uh, and that's, that's when things changed. So far, this doesn't explain why, why this dilemma. Uh, that, that uh, expansion of uh, security communities seems to produce more violence. I think the last point does, at least partially. When I looked at those speeches that focused on protection of global civilians, and then I looked at, especially narrowed down those, those speeches where the president felt that we can do something about it, then I looked at who is the we who is the agent who is, who is able to do that. And for example, UN, United Nations, reference to United Nations as the actor of cosmopolitan protection was not increased. I mean, those, the frequency of those speeches uh, went down. Now, that to me suggests that uh, also that, that this, this protection rhetoric uh, kind of strictly 
differentiated between the actors of protection and the targets of protect protection. Now, this I think uh, brings us closer to to um, to a possible not not a solution but a possible conclusion and and also at least it leads us to a direction that we should study further. Uh, namely, it seems that there is an asymmetry between a rise of cosmopolitan solidarity and decline of cosmopolitan agency. And when I explained about uh, the, the, the enlargement of security co communities, I mentioned Pinker's finding that there is this something that I call qualitative uh, enlargement of security communities. I think that's what is missing here. I mean, we, we are not developing world security order towards the direction of the EU, where everybody is equally an agent of production of security. No, we are actually moving it towards an imper imperium rather than, or, or, or colonialist direction, where there are actors and then there are people who should be uh, 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 protected. Uh, and I think, uh, to some extent, uh, the main challenge uh, for conflict research is now, uh, at least when we look at uh, global governance, the main challenge is to look at what kind of actors can be uh, uh, um, kind of supported and, uh, and, and strengthened. Uh, uh, now, at the very end, I, 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 I want to address this. Well, I, we, we, I don't have a solution to this. But I think uh, if, if we are looking at what went wrong with this cosmopolitan expand, expansion of security communities, uh, and also if we are looking at what kind of actors are emerging and that could be strengthened, uh, I think those are the, the issues that, uh, that should be focused. And those are the issues we are focusing right now. I mean, we are in the process of, 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 of making a project that looks at at several global uh, actors that could have a potential of doing something more important. Uh, uh, when, I, when I talk about we, uh, we are a, a, a research group of, of five people. Uh, I see three of us here, yes, Wally and, and, and Brett. Uh, uh, so we are, we are looking at, for example, institutions like uh, the, the organization for the, for the prohibition of, of uh, chemical weapons. That's a, that's, a, that's a global organization rather than unilateral uh, effort. In, international Criminal Court is another. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, protect civilians by, by sending uh, 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 military force, but it, it, it has a, a forceful strategy. Uh, uh, and then we are looking at, that, at, at, at limited military uh, solutions as well. Uh, uh, um, so that's why we need, uh, for example, expertise on drones, etc. Uh, uh, but but this is this is the the, the, the thing that uh, that that, that uh, uh, is is my current passion, and uh, and I don't have those answers yet, but uh, but but I will in, in, in a few years. Thank you very much. <laughs>